think it might ask you for permission. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I guess it's recording. Okay. All right. Welcome, Lisa DeLay. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be sharing a bit of time with you, and I love what you're doing. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Lisa is the host of the podcast, Spark by Muse, and she is the author of the forthcoming book. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm blanking out the title. Now. I, I wrote down all this other information, and I've written down your title. Let's, let's hear, talk keep, about your book. <laughs> yeah, sure. I keep forgetting the title, too, because it's changed a few times. It's The Wild Land Within. Wild Land Within, uh, right. Okay. I almost said where the wild then. things are, and I, I thought, no, that's not it. <laughs> I threw you off because I mentioned that story. But yeah, it's coming out with Broadleaf Books, which is part of uh, 1517 Media. That'll be coming out in April next year. Great, great. And uh, your, your podcast has had some really awesome guests, uh, Seth Godin, Krista Tippett, Parker Palmer. Uh, so, you know, folks, you definitely check out uh, Spark by Muse, and you've been doing it for like five years. I've been on it and uh, it's just a fun, it's a fun podcast to be a part of. Yeah. I can't wait to have you back on too for your reconnect book. I just really love learning and I love books and inviting the authors on. Sometimes the people are more famous than others, but I really enjoy spiritual formation and uh, learning about what transformation is all about and kind of joining with others on the spiritual path, wherever they find themselves. And so having authors on, uh, to converse about some of these things has been, so, it's just been a labor of love for, for five years and 335 plus episodes. So, um, you know, always a process of learning and I have really enjoyed doing this show. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we, we've known each other through social media and all yeah. these other channels for a while now. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, just, you know, how, what does what like, like a typical week look like for you these days as far as just working on the podcast and, mm -hmm. you know, now working on your book and then right. being on social media too, like how does all that stuff uh, intersect yeah. and how do you find space for it all? Yeah. Well, you know, I was just thinking about this, Ed, because we knew each other pre-social media and it was in the blogging, first of the blogging days. It might go back to 2005 yeah. or six. Yeah. Um, well, I find social media uh, indispensable for what I do because my data shows that over half of my listeners listen to my program on their phone. So I really need it for, for what I do, uh, my weekly broadcast. And I use social media to share the programs I'm doing, to share the links on a few different social media platforms. Uh, I connect with authors, editors, publishers, book marketers, public relations people, and I build those relationships. But, um, I've been, and I've been on social media since 2007, so I've had a long time to get it wrong <laughs> a lot of times and, and also learn what works for me and learn about boundaries. But for me, it's, it's, I have to use it every day, uh, even if I'm not feeling like doing that, just because it's important for me to get to use it as a tool of, of broadcasting and communication. Mm. And so I guess in a typical day, um, and I'll do it sort of, differently than I have before, but I'll kind of do it in batches. So I try to save my most creative time for in the morning. And I don't do things like check email. I, I might just do a few posts in the morning to get things out. But I try not to do any interaction with people early in the morning because it's a black hole of 
darkness that sucks you in. <laughs> and I wanna I wanna interact with my friends on there. I've met so many amazing, amazing people. So for all of the it it can be like a sewer. Twitter is my main place of where I go and it can be a terrible place. But I have met just dozens and dozens of the most amazing, beautiful people, and I um, cherish those friendships and connections really deeply. So I will interact. It's probably several hours a day if you add it all together, but I will try to do it in, in very strategic batches, and I do my best to not um, to make it work-related and then occasionally to catch up in, I guess you could say, in kind of social connecting ways. But if I'm doing that, I, I try to be very careful what I consume because of the nature of how poisonous the environment can be on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then um, your, your book, like share us a little, like a little bit of your journey with your book and just how you got to the point that you have a book coming out. I mean, you've been, you know, podcasting and interviewing authors, but I, I know that you've had uh, some stuff in the works here for a while, and you've got kind of a journey to share with readers. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, well, in 2010, I got a master's degree in spiritual formation, and I never wanted to have a church or anything like that, but I wanted to write. And uh, during the process of going to seminary, I had a lot of things in mind that I thought would be interesting to write about in terms of how do we grow in Christ likeness? How do we, um, what is it that happens in our lives in our hearts that grow the fruit of the spirit, which is really, you know, that's God's work in us. That's uh, how we, how grace has grown in our lives. And, um, and so this has been ongoing for a long time. And I had a, a blog called life as prayer based on brother Lawrence of the resurrection and some of his work, the practicing the presence of God and trying to go after some of that. What does it look like when you dialogue with God all day and think of God's presence in your life all the time? How does it change you? How does it reorient the way you see the world? So that's been kind of my driving passion through, through blogging. And then in 2015, I began to explore that more with, with authors and books and and things like that. And I did have an agent for a little while and put some books out, put some book ideas out there and the publishing industry kind of collapsed around me and (laughs) (laughs) that didn't go super well. Um, And I did publish independently about six or seven times on, on um, Amazon. You can see books up there, but, but I think um, what was important was that I, they always wanted a platform and I didn't have the numbers to make the accountants happy. The editors were fine with me, the accountants, not so much. Right, so right. <laughs> once the podcast got going uh, and I had a lot of author connections and so that really helps to have people know you and be able to connect with you and, you know, um, having those relationships makes a huge difference. And so then that became a good bet, I guess. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, go ahead. Go I don't know. It's all about numbers <laughs> in the end, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> so what I'm hoping to do with this book really is talk a lot about how we can heal and how we can become like Jesus, which is hopefully the point of, of being on this earth, um, is also centering marginalized voices that 
are usually seen as contextual theology or contextual spiritualities on the outside and white centered ways of seeing God are considered normal. And actually we learn from the, the margins. Gospel comes from the outside, from the margins. And that's really what I'm hoping to do that's unusual in this book that spiritual formation books tend to not even consider or um, demonstrate in the book really at all. So I'm, that's kind of a new piece that I've never really seen in a spiritual formation book that I'm hoping to kind of add to the conversation in the field. Um, so we'll see. And then at every chapter end, there are practices that you can engage in. So it's not just for your head. It's really to invite people onto a journey to go into the landscape of their heart and find out it has climate, find out it has a weather system. And I'm using Invagrius Ponticus, uh, his model about afflicting thoughts. Instead of mm. looking at the Western idea of deadly sins and moral deficits, right. I'm looking at the healing model of sin and that uh, Invagrius, one of the desert fathers, didn't believe in original sin, and none of the Eastern Christians do. They believe it's about getting us from sickness to health. And that is very restorative, and that is very good news for someone who's into spiritual formation and um, wants to feel whole and well again. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, that's a great, I mean, you know, I couldn't ask for a better segue until I talking about social media, because that's like the afflictive thought, like, you yes. know, factory, you know? Like. Oh my gosh, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, and the vainglory factory. So mm. the vainglory piece. So vainglory is, which I did not know what this was. It's just the temptation to self-promote. But mm. literally social media cannot exist unless you act vaingloriously. And this is actually a problem for good people. So, so-called, you know, righteous people more than anyone else because they want a virtue signal that that they're good because there aren't tangible material things. Like if you're, if you're a good person and you help somebody out, you don't really get money from that or power or uh, like promoted or necessarily, but what can help is that people think you're a good person. So it's a status signal. Um, and you can mm. say, Oh, I'm so glad that we delivered groceries to so-and-so's house. And then it looks oh, I did right. everything wrong. I'm just, I'm showing, I'm an example. I'm just showing people I'm good, but that's vain glory. And that affects people who are, do-gooders who are nice people and it's it's a way to it, it clicks into this social affirmation thing which instead of doing good because it's good because jesus would do that and because you're working for god essentially it's like if you didn't get to post it it wouldn't feel like you it was worth anything it wouldn't be like i didn't get to post it did it even happen yeah you know? yeah so so that is one of the the trickiest parts of social media is that it's just vainglory everywhere. So it's been normalized and it doesn't even seem wrong. Like the humble brag is, is one of them or um, what's, what's the other one? Uh, well, the virtue signaling is basically yeah. what we're talking about. And it's, I'm not saying it's, a, it's bad to say that you did something nice. It's, it's not, but a lot no. of times we get caught into the trap of, Oh, I, if you get the thought in your head, Oh, I really hope people think I'm kind. I really hope people think I'm smart. I really hope people think uh, I'm better than that next person who, um, you know, who is fine with kids in cages. Cause I'm not fine with that. Um, and that's kind of like, that's exactly a signal to show uh, superiority, moral superiority or spiritual superiority. And boy, oh boy, is that a huge trap. Um, mm -hmm. 
for mm. Christian, for Christian Twitter, for any, for any Twitter, right. for me too. I'm not immune at all. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of reminds me. I I was uh, texting a, a friend of mine uh, who lives in Nashville, and uh, he's very active on social media. You know, documents a lot of stuff. But he said, "Hey, I I'd love to talk, but I'm uh, I'm out." you know, feeding the homeless with this other friend of ours who's also really active on social media. And I was like, wait, like they didn't document this on social media? Like, this, you know, and- um, You didn't get any social yeah. creds? Yeah, I didn't get their social creds, but I, I was it, like, it was one of those moments where I was like, like I was like kind of surprised they hadn't mentioned it on social media. Like, well, of course they're not gonna mention it on social media, but it was that mm. that moment of like, we're so used to just documenting our lives. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, that's a great, <laughs> great reminder. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, we're used to documenting, Hey, you know, I watched this, I watched the show. This is what I did today. And some, some of the stuff's great. And, and then you're just like telling friends what you did. And, you know, it, at first it's, it's no big deal, but it's kind of like, well, these people did something. Oh, I kind of did something nice too. I, I don't want people to think I don't do nice things. Yet. <laughs> so, right, right, right. But, you know, that's the whole thing. If we give in secret, that actually is a, is an inoculation against vainglory if we give in secret. And I think that that's actually mm -hmm. what, what creates the spiritual fruit. We don't do it. That's the work of the spirit, but it, it uh, tills the heart, uh, the ground of the heart for that better soil that for the seeds of God's work, because we cannot be ruled by what other people think of us and that social, I mean, we're social creatures. So we're going to kind of be like, what do they think of me? You, yeah. you can't help think that, or do, yeah. do they have more than I do? They have, are they doing better than me? And we'll always be drawn to do that. But that isn't, um, that does not help our spiritual maturity. Right. Right. Yeah. That, one of the things I uh, write about and reconnect is that it's almost like uh, social media, like gives life to the false self. Yeah. Like you actually like it's like yeah. created this like you know it's you know it's like a machine or something like that where yes. the false self has some kind of uh, presence almost. Absolutely, you can keep feeding it, and it can it can have a life of its own, like its own persona, really. And you have to keep it alive, right? You have to right, right. <laughs> to keep feeding it little pellets. <laughs> <laughs> little red and then, you know, balls. like I love this. I love this one. Your silence is deafening. Like, if you don't comment on something, people might say to you, "Your silence on this issue is deafening." It's like, well, maybe I'm doing something about it, but I'm not making it public. You know, it's almost like people will almost try to punish you on social media if you're not vocal about every single thing or not saying what you're doing about every single thing. It's quite possible that social media is not the center of people's lives who are down in the trenches actually doing something. It's possible that they are, they're not silent. They're just silent on social media and they could be very actively working and self-sacrificing. Then they're just not going to tell you about it because <laughs> right. it's not that important to them. But I, I know that there's, there's a culture um, that gets really stirred up on social media about, well, you know what, if, if you don't hear somebody tweeting about this, that means this about them. If, if they don't say this, or if your pastor doesn't say this at church, it means this. But it's, it's kind of like, um, I mean, that's kind of part of the culture of it's that itself is, is vainglory, because you're also saying, um, you know, by these standards, I've judged that I'm, 
spiritually superior because I've said something. Now, what have you said? Because obviously I care and I understand and this matters to me and it matters to God. But it's like, you know, it's this false premise and this false game about status and who is the who is the best who's the most moral person or who's the most spiritually sensitive person or something like that it's just like um i think jesus would say never mind about that this is between you and me you know Mm -hmm. yeah and, and so like how do you how do you like manage that um i know that you definitely do speak up about the important mm-hmm. issues of our time. Like you're not mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, disengaged, but mm-hmm. how do you, how do you manage that? Like for your, yourself and like, is there like a check that you try to put on yourself as far as before I post about this, what am I going to? Yeah, you know? definitely. I've, things have really changed since the pandemic too. I, I will say that because the level of, of angst, fear, misery, or whatever you want to say, a whole bunch of things, has ratcheted up, I feel like I have more of a responsibility to not add my own. Occasionally I will, I will say if I'm not doing well or something, but I want to add light and encouragement and where I can, I want to add that, especially I'm talking about Twitter. Now I've had to pretty much leave Facebook alone because I feel like it's such a toxic place. I'm just there a little bit and then I, I kind of jump off. So I'm mostly talking here about Twitter, but um, what I've noticed, even people, I really love their books and I love their work, but on Twitter, um, it's, it's a constantly criticism or negative things and just truthful things and authentic things. And that's fine. But along with the course of many other people doing the same thing, like my little soul can't take it, my little fragile soul. So I'll put them yeah. on mute or I'll put them on, see them less. And I also have a favorites list of people. I'll just scroll through my favorites. And those are people who, uh, I find, encouraging generally speaking and are kind of adding to adding to things i have this special rule about and it should i should move it down to three but i have a special rule about twitter if i see five bad things five things that make my heart kind of go oh i log off because mm-hmm. um that's too much that's like how much poison is enough and i can only take you know it's like a decide how much poison you want make make up your rule for me it's been five bad ones and i it could be um, and not to say that I go to Twitter for my news and to see what conversations are about terrible things like George Floyd and stuff. I don't want to be unaware, but at the same time, it's a fire hose of horror. And so uh, I just know how much poison I can take and I have to then consume news in a different manner. And so sometimes it'll have to be just three negative tweets until I get the third one or five. And then I'm like, okay, we're done. And that's why I have like a favorites list and I'll go down there. And I just have to be very sensitive because I'm on enough for work that um, it can be very, I think very soul damaging. And I think that's the thing about what, what I'm calling like soul hygiene, which is uh, mm-hmm. making plenty of space for renewal, making plenty of space to find a sense of God's presence, through contemplative prayer, through spiritual practices where I, I might get out in nature and really notice, really listen, how many birds can I hear? How many insects can I see? What does the wind feel? Everything with my senses. What am I feeling? Can I taste anything? What am I, you know, because you have to, in my um, case, I have to get back into my body and get out of the swirling motion and noise of my head that Twitter only 
enhances and amplifies. Right, right. Uh, so there have to be a lot of things I do that I put a lot of limits on my social media stuff because I've been at it for a long time and it, it does suck time and energy out of my life that could be best put somewhere else for sure. I also limit for my phone. I have one game. I don't have a lot of games. I don't have a lot of distracting apps and I have turned all my notifications off. So I never get reminded like, bing, Hey, you have messages. Don't have right. Facebook on the app right. on my, right. as an app on my phone at all. And so that makes sure that I can have my time uh, I try not to think of my phone as a connection tool, but I do have Twitter on there. So that's where I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Sometimes I go on there and I'll be like, mm -hmm. but I have noticed when, when I do go on Twitter, if, if it's not for work or connecting with friends in, in a real positive way, it's usually pretty obvious that I'm starting to live unconsciously, that I feel frustrated or disconnected. I'm trying to find consolation and connection. And I'm using my phone and social media a lot more like a surrogate for those things. Um, if I'm being honest, it's because I've fallen into a kind of a bad place where I'm, I'm more disconnected with God and myself and others. And I'm like hoping that this will kind of work. Right. <laughs> That's the opposite, right? Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, there's a great Thomas Burton quote about, you know, trying to, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's somewhere in my book about, you know, the, the things that we try to use to solve our problems, make things worse. You know, yeah. I feel like that's the social mm -hmm. media right there. Mm -hmm. It gives you a promise, it gives you a promise of connection, just enough to seem real. But, you know, Twitter will tell you this is real life and it presents this really kind of horrible picture of some of the worst of humanity and, and, and some good stuff too would actually go into real life you're like actually if i look around things are pretty much okay there's there's trouble there's misery there's there's stuff happening but it's not that intent this twitter would make you believe mm. right i mean i feel like part of the problem is that you know you could go to a news site and read the news but if you go to twitter you get the news and then you get all the commentary and all the comments yeah. and reactions and yeah and that can be really hard to yeah. just to sort out how to respond right the, well it's real people responding with the cries of their heart and with their pain and for, for somebody like me i um i do care about how people are feeling and if people are angry like the whole thing about getting triggered like that's the that's it's a trigger factory twitter is a trigger factory right, right? right, right. and the more right. you're triggered in some direction usually negative the more money they make. And so of course they're going to make sure that you, that the algorithms for bad news are better and more far reaching. And so we're being manipulated. And I think that's, as long as you know that going in, you're going to be manipulated. How much of that do you want to put up with? Right. And it's fine. But if you go in thinking, Oh, well, this is just how people think this is just what's happening in America. I think that's, that's you know twitter's a business so they run it how they run it to make the most money it's great for certain things like i said it's it's been the way i've met some of my best friends how i've gotten a book contract how i do my work every day but <laughs> it comes with a cost right right so yeah you've hinted a little bit at you know spiritual practices but and, and taking walks and, you know, mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to just to add to that or to expand on as far as uh, spiritual practices that kind of feeding your soul or is there 
something in particular, like right now in this season, that's been helpful for you? Um, well, basically contemplative prayer in, in the sense of praying without words, or I'm not sure how familiar people will be with, with the contemplative stream, but it's, it might be some different ways I do it, or it may be Lexio Divina. So maybe I'll read a portion of scripture and I just try to make sure that I end that time of meditating on scripture and, and praying with, with thoughts and words and images. I try to make sure that there's plenty of time after that for no words, no thoughts, no images, no pictures, just a simple resting and abiding in the presence of God where I try to keep my thoughts captive on just the embrace of God itself, which isn't easy. You have to continue to turn your mind towards it's a discipline. It's like an athletic training. Right. But right. what I find is that I'm accepted completely by God. The more I ingest that and absorb that, the less everything else just falls away. So the more I am uh, in tune with those practices, which is to say, um, there's a there's a great quote that I have in my book. <laughs> and it's, it's about what, what Dallas Willard talks about, what is grace? And we'll say, oh, it's unmerited favor. But that doesn't explain what grace does. What grace does is it, it gives, it is, the pres it is the actual presence of God. It gives us the presence of God that we don't deserve, but that we can have. And if you get a sense of the presence of God, that is divine love, and you can really give yourself those moments, allow time for those moments that aren't full of distractions and just the bouncing monkeys of your brain, you could actually slow down for those and give notice to those. Um, it has a very calming effect for your soul, for your whole self. And without those, that's like, to me, medicine, uh, to cure the regular ailments of being human. And the more I can add those in, I try to add them in to many spots of my day. Um, and longer if possible, you know, maybe it's, if you add everything up, maybe it's an hour to a day. Um, and if I really am doing well, you know, it'll be an hour in the beginning of the day, an hour at the end of the day, if, if I could possibly manage it. But that is really what sustains me. Um, and I guess brings wholeness where there, where it can be so hard to find. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. So you mentioned your book. Um, when's your book coming out? It'll be April 6th. Um, in next year oh wow yeah. okay yeah so i'll be actually Wait. having there'll be yeah it'll be but the pre-order will start i believe at the end of july and if people go to my um if people get on my newsletter uh, there will be certain um, number of spots to receive an advanced copy like an advanced digital pdf copy and um i'll be giving some of those away there's also like there's a certain amount of people who are kind of supporters at my Patreon. When you support at a certain level, you can get an advanced copy for free. So there's ways to still get to read it a lot earlier than that. But yeah, it's felt like an enormous wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll imagine. And so, Just yeah, a where, decade. <laughs> where, where can folks find you? Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on and for just yeah. the opportunity to, to do this with you, Ed. Um, the best place you can go to sparkmymuse.com and that'll get you to my website, which is also lisadelay.com. It's kind of one in the same. Okay. And uh, 
that that's everything's right there. Everything's connected there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, yeah, definitely check out Lisa's podcast and I'm just looking forward to this book. I just, I feel like I've learned a lot from you over the years. And so I'm looking forward to how you're going to expand on that and, and uh, just help us grow in our practices, especially in these, you know, really challenging times, really disturbing times. Um, so it's, it's going to be really needed. So um, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for your work. It's very, very well needed today. <laughs>